Hey, everybody. How you doing? Yeah. yeah? All right. We are excited about what God is doing. Uh, make sure you register. It starts, like he said, uh, today at 2 p.m. Registration opens. Get your spots quickly. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, my name is uh, Corey Demo. No, not, not at all. Um, uh, and, uh, but uh, my name is Mac, and we are so grateful uh, that you are here today. For those of you with us for the first time, you didn't even understand that joke, and that's okay. So... Um, <laughs> But uh, uh, my wife and I have been here for about four months. We are one of the new pastors on staff here. Woohoo! Yeah! Yeah! You haven't heard me talk yet, so you don't know. I might be awful. Um, but uh, I'd like to, uh, like to introduce you to my family, for those of you maybe who uh, weren't here uh, when I was first introduced. So if you throw them up, there, oh, there they are. Man, she's gorgeous, isn't she? Glory to God. I tricked her. I tricked her into marrying me. Um, <laughs> Totally married outside of my league. But, uh, but that's my wife, uh, Jen, of 18 years we've been married. Um, I know I don't look it. I am that old. But, um, but uh, that's, uh, we have three boys. The oldest is 15. That's Taylor. Uh, he's 15, so he's taking driver's ed, so stay off the sidewalks and stuff. Um, but uh, glory to God, I'm going to have a 16-year-old um, in like a couple of weeks. Uh, but uh, actually, less time than that. But then uh, he's an incredibly anointed uh, worship leader and musician and artist. And I am uh, so blessed to be, uh, to be his dad. And the second one down there, that's, that's Jackson. Jackson's my ball player. Um, he is my retirement plan, hopefully. Um, I'm in the ministry, so it's, it's not this, but, um, but that's, that's, uh, that's he, he eats, breathes, and, and sleeps baseball, and, and uh, he's awesome. And then uh, the uh, third one down, that's Finley. Uh, Finley looks like he's missing some teeth. No, that's Oreos. So kind of explains who he is, uh, but they are an incredible blessing. So that's my, that's my family, and we are incredibly blessed to be here. We've uh, worked in ministry for over 20 years, and um, we are so grateful to get to serve this community on this team. And, uh, you know, everywhere I've been, uh, we've been able to work with some incredible people. And I love what, uh, what Pastor Dennis uh, says, that God never surprises me, but he always amazes me. And, um, and uh, it is an absolute privilege to be here. We are so grateful to be here. We are actually in the middle of our series called Jumpstart, where we've been talking about how sometimes in our life we kind of get stalled out a little bit, and, and we need to kind of plug into a greater power source, and that God is our master mechanic, and, and he's the one that we can plug into. He's the one that can help us in those moments and get us kind of going down the road and living the life that he's uh, called us to live. And then last week we talked about guarding our hearts and how uh, we need to let God speak into our hearts and, and let him kind of open up the hood of our lives and do some work in there that we can trust him with that. And we asked a really important question last week, and it was simply this, how's your heart? How's your heart? When was the last time we had a chance to ask that? When was the last time you asked God that? God, how's my heart? How are we today? We good? What's going on? Because life is incredibly hectic. The pace of life can seem overwhelming, can't it? Like, I got three boys. You saw them. They're, they're awesome. But I got three boys in three different schools in three different parts of the town. Thank you, Lee County. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. But all, all I know is I have to help my 15-year-old get up between 6 and 6.30 in the morning. You know how, know how hard it is to get a teenager up at 6.30 in the morning? You know my pain. It's hard to get them up at noon. 
6.30 in the morning. I'm not up at 6.30 in the morning. Very, very, no, I am up at 6.30 in the morning. But, um, but it's, it, it, the pace of life is incredibly hectic. You're getting pulled a thousand different directions, right? In, in a thousand different directions. And, and it's, it's, it's absolutely insane. And you're going 1,000 miles a minute, and, and before you know it, your seven-year-old misplaces his house key, and you're like, it's like you robbed a bank. What are you doing? You're an awful human being. And your wife might go, overreact much? <laughs> like, I'm not saying that happened in my house this week. It may have, because pastors are not immune to thinking that what they produce and what they do determines their value. We get that way. We get that way and we're running a thousand miles a minute too, just like you are. We're not immune to it. We got people coming up and going, dude, are you okay? You're like, yes, I'm fine. <laughs> Praise Jesus. <laughs> you might not say, you might say other words than that, but that's how I respond sometimes. But we freak out and, and if the pace of life gets that overwhelming, perhaps it's time for us to press pause and pray a little bit. Because pray is the, prayer is the best way for us to tap into the source greater than ourselves. It's the best way to run the diagnostic on our life. When we can just set aside some time and we're flipping out at the world and ask God, what's going on in my heart right now? We need that time. It's absolutely essential. Dr. King said a Christian who tries to live their life without prayer is like somebody trying to be alive without breathing. I think it's incredibly important. I think Jesus teaches that it's incredibly important. In fact, we know some of his habits. We know that he would often go off in the middle, in the early hours of the morning, like without coffee or anything, and pray. And I'm pretty sure that if the Savior of the world, King of kings, Lord of lords, he rose from the dead, if Jesus felt he needed to spend time with his heavenly Father and pray, I'm pretty sure I do. And if you're anything like me, I'm pretty sure you do. It's an absolutely essential part of our life because life is hard and it can be overwhelming. And if we don't stop to pray, it can get the best of us. And if you're here today and you're like, man, I don't know. I don't know. Prayer is not a thing for me. Let me just stress to you the importance of it. The book of Psalms in Scripture which is actually a bunch of praise and worship and prayers and stuff like that. This is, listen to what Psalms has to say about, about prayer. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. 18 says this, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. So I figure we're, we're all in one of two camps. The first camp is that you've been following Jesus for a while. Good news, I got for you. Regardless of what's happened in your life recently, if you're a follower of Jesus, he hears your cry for help. He hears you. But maybe you're here today and you're in the second camp, and church is maybe a new thing for you. Christianity is a new thing for you. You're, you're, you think Jesus is kind of, he's kind of an okay, his people are a little weird sometimes, but he's kind of cool. Um, and you're like, why would a God listen to me? I don't know if you're like me, but have you ever felt brokenhearted in your life? Have you ever felt like the weight of the world is crushing your spirit? Good news. He hears you. So regardless of the camp that you're in right now, regardless of what's happened in your past, God wants you to come to him and he wants to hear you. And, 
And even though you're maybe feeling guilty and ashamed of something maybe that you did even last night, whether you're a believer or not, or, or not a believer in Jesus, sometimes we do things that we don't want on our highlight reel. So you might be here today and you're ashamed of what you did last night or last week or maybe even the last 10 years of your life. And you're thinking to yourself, dude, I get it, but I've gone too far. I'm too bad. I've done too much. I'm, I'm just not good enough. I'm here to let you know it's okay. Jesus was good enough for you. You don't have to be perfect to come to God. Jesus was perfect. That's why you can come to him. God wants you to come to him in the middle of your mess. In fact, the book of Romans, Paul, uh, this a guy in the New Testament who wrote a letter to the church in Rome, and he said this, and I'm paraphrasing, but this is essentially what he said. While you were sinning sinners in the midst of your sin, Jesus came and died. So for me, while I was a sinning sinner in the midst of my sin, God loved me so much that Jesus came and died just so that God could hang around me. And that's what he wants for all of us. Your heavenly father wants to be around you. You don't have to feel ashamed. If you come to him with your issues, you don't have to feel ashamed. You don't have to feel guilt because God doesn't use shame and guilt to correct people. Because when we feel shame and guilt, the first thing we do is turn inward and separate ourselves from everybody. And that's not what he wants. He doesn't want us separated from him. God is always drawing us closer to him. For our fill-in-the-notes people, God is always drawing us closer to him. He's always drawing us closer. And so God, in his infinite compassion and wisdom, uses compassion and mercy and forgiveness and love and grace. And oh, by the way, his people should too. Because when we heap judgment and guilt and shame, we drive people away. And God doesn't want to do that. He wants to draw them into who he is. And we do that through prayer. And so he wants you to come to him. He wants you to have a relationship with him because he knows the more time he spends with you, the more like him you'll become. The more you'll experience his grace, the more you experience his character, the more you'll understand and learn how to feel his leading in your life. Because God answers prayers immediately at times, but there are times when he says no or he makes you wait to draw you in closer because no matter what you're going through, God wants you to be near him. You were created. If you want to live the fullness of the life that you were created to live, it can only be lived out in close proximity to the one who created you. You can't do it on your own. You need to be plugged into the greater source. And I know that, that prayer can be complicated, it can seem mystical, and it can seem weird. I get it. I know that. But today, my hope and my prayer as we talk about this subject of prayer is that we can pull back the curtain a little bit, demystify it, and help those of us that maybe don't have prayer as a normal part of our daily rhythm and walk. I'm hoping that we can talk about some, some tips and just some, some ways to kind of get that into our discipleship walk. And for those of you maybe that are here, that prayer is a natural rhythm in your life, my hope is that you can get from our conversation today a new perspective on your relationship with God that maybe as you go into your time with him could drive your walk deeper. 
because God doesn't want you to stay where you're at. He wants you to go deeper in him. He wants you to do greater things. He wants the blessed life for you. And that can only come from close proximity to him. And so as we talk about this today, I hope that's what you grab from our conversation. So let's pray together and ask God to bless the remainder of our conversation. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that we can come together today, open up your scriptures, and be changed by your truth. Lord, I pray that our eyes would be open, our hearts would be open, our minds would be open to all that you have for us today. And that through our conversation, God, you would change us even just a little bit to be more like you so that we can reflect who you are to a hurting world. And you can change our lives in the process. We thank you for this time. I pray that I won't say anything stupid. But Lord, that I would turn people's attention towards you because you're the one that can change us. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, Jesus says a lot about prayer. He teaches a lot about prayer. And, and we're going to actually take a look at one of those instances in, in the book of Matthew. Now, uh, the book of Matthew in the, in the Bible is just a recounting of the story, the life, and the ministry of Jesus Christ. And uh, if you're here today and this whole thing is kind of new to you, if you have your Bible, if you go to the middle and hang a right, you'll reach it. If you have your phone, and, um, and just go to Matt, and then we're going to be in chapter 6. And uh, that's where we're going to spend the remainder of our time. And Jesus is in the middle of a, a teaching on what it's like to be in the kingdom of God, what it's like to be one of God's people. And he says, uh, he's, he, he kind of goes into this conversation about prayer. And he says, okay, I don't want you to be like the people who stand up in the churches and on the street corners and shout out these long, drawn out prayers so that people will think how good they are, people will think how righteous they are, and, and they can intimidate people, or, or maybe they're doing it because they just want to feel better about themselves. I don't want you to be like that. I want you to be different. So let's check out what, what he does want us to be like. And so this is what he says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Because here's the deal. Prayer is not about the, um, the outward expression of, um, of who, of kind of how righteous you are and how good you are. That's not why we pray. We don't pray so that other people will think we're, you know, all that in a bag of chips. We don't pray so that people will think we're holier than they are. We don't pray so that we feel better about ourselves, that we're more righteous than anybody else. Because prayer is not about what other people think. Prayer is not about your appearance. Prayer even, isn't even about what you're asking for. Prayer is actually about relationship. It's about a conversation that you're having with the one that created you so that you draw closer together. Because God knows that the more time you spend with him in conversation, the more like him you become. The more of his character you take on into yourself. The better you can reflect him to, to a lost and dying and hurting world. The more you know that he cares and he loves for you. So prayer is about relationship. It's about the exchange between you and God. It's easy for us to feel selfish when it becomes about the things, but when it's about the relationship, we learn that sometimes God just wants to be with us, even if we're asking for things, even if we're complaining about things, even if we're telling God, I don't understand what you're doing here. Explain yourself to me. You're like, whoa, can I say that? I don't know. Look at the Psalms. Where David says, how long, O oh Lord, will you allow this to happen? 
That's pretty gutsy. So I'm pretty sure God can handle your doubt and your fears, but he wants to hear your dreams. He wants to hear all of those things because he just wants to spend time with you. Jesus goes on to say this. Uh, And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but you know that person who, when you sit down for dinner and they go to pray, everybody's concerned. (laughs) Right? You know the person, people who are laughing, like, yeah, they're thinking about that person right now. You go down, you sit down to pray, and it spreads out, and you're hangry, and you're sitting there, and you're like, oh, yeah, that smells good. And then somebody starts praying, and they're like, oh, dear Lord. Gracious Heavenly Father, creator of all things. And already you're like, dude, say amen. (laughs) God, we thank you for this bountiful feast that we are about to receive. You are amazing, God. You have provided our house and our car. We thank you, O Lord, for all of the great things you... Dude, amen. The smart ones are kind of sneaky. They're like <clears throat> shoving bread in their mouth at the time, right? You just wanted to say amen, and now they're talking about missionaries in Africa. Lord, bless my grandma because her gout is acting up. You're like, amen! For the love of God, amen! And they keep going, and you're like, Lord, thank you for the food, amen. Everybody shut up, let's eat. I'm not saying that those kind of prayers, I, I need to be careful, but uh, <laughs> Pastor Corey's like, dude, you're never talking again. Um, <laughs> but long prayers are fine, but let me just, I just, I want to encourage those people who have an issue um, in their prayer life and, and, and stuff like that, because they think, well, I can't pray like that. That's okay. God's not fooled by long SAT words. He's not. He's not fooled by long, drawn-out prayers. He's not impressed He's not impressed by that. He knows your heart. He knows what you need even before you ask it. He just wants to spend time with you. You know, there are times when I, when I spent, you know, two to three minutes in prayer, all I can get out is, help, I need somebody, help, not just anybody, help. You don't use Beatles? I use the Beatles. So, um, because sometimes I'm at a loss for word. I was like, God, I just can't even with my family right now. (laughs) Most of the time, it's when I'm on Pine Island Road. For those of you that don't know, don't drive on Pine Island Road. I want to know, how hard is it to drive the speed limit on Pine Island Road? (laughs) Because I'm driving, yeah, amen, right there. So I'm driving, and I'm losing my salvation in the left-hand lane going, it is right? I'm not mistaken here. It's not 30. We should have a prayer meeting afterwards. Um, Because usually that's when God has to work on my heart. It's really bad when your seven-year-old is in the back going, it's the one on the right. Like you don't even know how to drive. And so we get, We need to spend time with him. And he wants to spend time with us. 
But he doesn't care if it's these long, drawn-out prayers. Sometimes it really is help. The, more often than not, when I'm in prayer for like two or three hours, and it happens every once in a while, it's not because I'm any more righteous than anybody else. It's that I got a week's worth of junk on me, and it's taken t- God two hours to get it out. But he wants to spend time with us. He loves us that much. And so Jesus goes into this teaching about what it means to be in prayer because God is always drawing us closer and prayer is about relationship and that's what we're doing when we're praying together. And so Jesus lays out this wonderful model of prayer. It's fantastic because it puts into practice what we've just talked about, the fact that God is drawing us closer and that prayer is a relationship. And so this is what he says. This, then, is how you should pray. I figure if Jesus says this is how you should pray, probably should pay attention. Now, before we get into this, and we can leave it up here, before we get into this, I want you to know it's not a magic formula. (laughs) It's okay if you do the long, drawn-out prayers praying for your grandmother's gout when you're getting ready to eat. That's fine. It's not gross to you. might be a little gross to me. That's okay. That's fine. God just wants you to go to him in prayer. So this isn't a magic formula where if you say this pattern or these words that all of a sudden God's going to give you everything you want. But it does develop within us a framework of our perspective as we go to our, 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 our God in prayer. And so this is what Jesus does. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's where he starts out. Before we ask anything, before we ask God to do anything, Jesus wants us to know that he is your heavenly father and he loves you very, very much. He could have said almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. He could have said that. He could have said omnipotent one, omniscient one, all big, long, drawn out words. He could have said that. He could have said, oh God, father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He didn't even say that. What he says is father, daddy, and it's not your earthly dad, which is, a good, which is good news for some of us because we had messed up dads. This is your heavenly father. He will never leave you. He will never turn his back on you. He will never say things that hurt your feelings. He will never, it's not like it's, okay, now before I, I knew it as soon as I said it, before I go further, he might say things that you need to hear that you don't like, but he's not looking to hurt you. It's not the same thing. But he will not do anything to hurt you or abuse you. He will never be too busy for you. He is always there. He is always patient. He is always kind. He is always abounding in love. He is always gracious. He is always merciful. He will forgive you when you go to him. He is always there for you. And while he might have to deal with wars all over the world and impoverished nations and, and AIDS in Africa, he has time when you lose your salvation driving behind somebody on Pine Island Road when they're going 10 miles under the speed limit. He's there, and he cares, and he wants to spend time with you. He's your heavenly father. He then goes on to say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, for most of us, we use this portion of scripture as a, this is, I'm not being selfish portion of my, of my prayer. It's a, God, I'm about to ask you for lots of things, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. You don't have to do them, but I'm bringing them to you because... And while that might be true, 
in terms of who God is and, and, and his power and, and his will and, and his wisdom. But I think sometimes we don't ask ourselves, what, what does it mean for his kingdom to come? What does it mean for his will to be done? You ever wonder that? Well, for a first century Palestinian Jew who was the original audience of this, they were aware of two kingdoms, the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of God. They were in the kingdom of the world, but they were waiting for the kingdom of God. Jesus was the embodiment of the coming of the kingdom of God. So what does that mean? The kingdom of this world was was ruled by the evil one, dominated by wars and hate and pain and sickness and tears and lies. But the kingdom of God was ruled by God himself. And it was dominated by love and peace. No more sickness, no more pain, no more death, no more tears. We can use a bit of that in our world today. That's what they were waiting for. And so when we're praying, our Heavenly Father, we're we're stating the fact that we have this wonderful close relationship. It's not pushed away. It's not that God is just this omniscient, omnipotent being that created everything, but he is as close that, that we need to have a dad in our lives. And when we pray for the kingdom of God to come, it's the embodiment of what Jesus was about, which is that God loves every person that has been created. And he wants to have that same father-child relationship with them. And so we're asking at that particular moment, let your kingdom come in my life. Let me, let me experience and be a part of you bringing love and joy and peace and, and grace and mercy to the world. Let your will be done. What is his will? Ultimately, that none should perish, but, uh, but all come to repentance. Why? Because he wants every person to understand you are my heavenly father. If you get nothing from me today, understand that God is your heavenly father. Before all things, he is your heavenly father and he loves you. He's not angry with you. He's not ashamed of you. He loves you in the middle of your mess. Right in the middle of the muck and the mire, the decisions, the bad ideas. If my kids made bad choices when they're 18, 19, 20, 21 years old and they called their dad for help, guess what? I'm there. They might not like what I help them with. They might not understand it. But they're my, they're my boys. And God is a way better dad than me. You might not understand it, you might not like it, but I'm telling you, he's drawing you closer and the Bible promises that he works all things together for good. Then he goes into, give us this day our daily bread. You can trust God with anything you need. If he knows what you need before you ask, why does he say to ask? Because he's saying, you need to ask me. Why? If he already knows it, because he wants to spend time with you. You don't go to God just because you have to, it's not like your list of things that you have surprises him. He's like, oh my gosh, when did you need food? (laughs) That's not what he's doing. He's saying, I'm glad you're here. Let me help you. He's not like me who goes up, you know, when my kids ask more than once, I'm like, boy, 
ask me again, I dare you. No, God's like, ask me. Ask me. Come on, come in. Come closer. Ask me. I want you to ask me. I'm here for you. Ask me. You can ask me for those things. It's not selfish. You can ask me for them. I can deal with the wars, and I can deal with the fact that you can't pay your bills. Sometimes that's by providing, and sometimes that's by changing us. But we will never be changed if we're not connected. And then, I love this. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. I believe it's here in this prayer on purpose. Why? Because Jesus establishes two very important things. He says, he is still your father even before you ask for forgiveness. You don't have to be perfect to come to him. A lot of us go to God like we think God's getting ready to beat us down. But he's still our father. He loves us very much. And oh, by the way, you can ask him to provide for you even if you have some sins that need to be forgiven. You don't need to be perfect to come to him. He's not angry with you. He's not ashamed of you. I've said it before. You can come to him. He's waiting for you. And the outflow of that is that we reflect that kind of, that kind of grace to the people around us. Why? Because we want his kingdom to come in our lives. We want his will to be done, and that is to help other people know that he is their father too. And it says, deliver us, or it says, um, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now this is, people are like, well, you know, God doesn't lead us into temptation. That's correct. In the Greek, this word is synonymous with trial. Lead us not into the trial. God knows that life is hard. He knows that your trials and situations that are difficult in your life will tempt you to turn away from him. He knows that. That's why this prayer is here. It's okay to ask God to deliver you from the trial. It doesn't mean he will. Jesus asked the Father to deliver him three times before he went to the cross. And every time, the Father said, no. But we have a promise that if God says no, when we ask him to deliver us from the trial, he will deliver us from the evil one. We don't have to walk through the trial on our own. He might not stop the trial. He might not stop the hard times in your life, but he will walk through them with you. You don't have to do it alone. You weren't meant to do it alone. So if you're here today and you're dealing with with this, you can come to God, your Heavenly Father, with those issues. So what does this mean for us today? Well, for those of you maybe that are struggling with the rhythm of prayer in your life, let me just suggest to develop a plan and a place. A plan that, that you have it scheduled out in your, in your calendar. Well, I don't have time. Okay. Well, why not? Well, I have to watch This Is Us and nobody's allowed to bother me while I'm watching This Is Us. And, you know, the playoffs are on right now. My kids aren't allowed to talk when, when the playoffs are on right now. And maybe if we had as much reverence for our time with God as we did for um, those things, we would see more change in our life. Because you make time for what's important to you. Maybe it's time to steal away time from the things that don't have any kind of impact in our lives so that we can use it for the things that will absolutely transform us. 
And when you get there, use some of these perspectives, these things that we've been talking about today to develop that rhythm. Because if you have a plan and you have a place, my plan, I have a prayer list that I, that I go through and stuff, and then I have a place, my back patio at my house. I couldn't do that in Minnesota because it's like 20 below. <laughs> but I can do that here. <laughs> but I go to my back patio and I know that when I, when I go there, he's right there with me. He was ready to meet, meet with me long before I even knew I needed to go to him. So have a plan and a place. Put into practice some of the things that we've been talking about today. I'd also encourage you, because sometimes when we walk through the trials of life, our faith isn't strong enough to deal with the issue. And if you're feeling ashamed because your faith isn't strong enough to believe God for an answer, that's okay. God in his infinite wisdom knew that that was going to happen. And so he gave you a community of faith. So plug into a small group. Because sometimes we need the strength and the faith of another brother and sister in Christ. Because even Jesus needed somebody to help him carry the cross. So do we sometimes. But maybe you're dealing with an issue in your life right now and you need immediate help. We have a prayer team, amazing prayer team, and a prayer room. And I'm going to pray for us here in a moment. And when I say amen, if you're dealing with something in your life today, I would encourage you to go to our prayer room and pray with our, with our prayer team. Because they want a journey with you. They want to wrap their faith around you so that you can both go to your heavenly Father right in the middle of your mess. You don't have to get better. You don't have to clean up. You don't have to become perfect. Jesus was perfect for you. And he will perfect you in the process. You can go to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you've done for us, for all that you've given to us. Lord, we thank you that we can come to you as our Heavenly Father, that you care about everything in our life. Lord, I pray if there's any person here walking through trials, walking through difficulty in connecting with you, God, I pray that you would rip apart any obstacle and God, that they would experience you as their loving Heavenly Father and that in that process, God, you would transform their life. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen.